This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two pretty stellar individuals, Nick White. Hey. And Brian Murray. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm a little out of sorts because I dressed up as a giraffe last night, ran around, and drank way too many beers. So I apologize in advance if I sound like a crazy person because I was a crazy person last night. Uh, how are you guys doing this week? <laughs> wow, I mean, uh... <laughs> it's, it's Halloween. This is like a Halloween episode. This episode's actually coming out on Halloween, so we need to be. It's Halloween. God damn it, Brian! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Xander, this... leave it in. Well, Brian's off the show. <laughs> Hold on, everyone. We're gonna find someone else. We just have to do something spooky. We have a zero tolerance policy now. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, how have you guys been? How have comic books been? That's the go-to question. But how do we make it spooky? Well, I think we should start with Nick. Let's start with you, Nick. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with you, Nick. (laughs) Let's go to the guy that's really going to get on board with this dumb concept now. I mean... uh... Hold on. Okay. Let's... Hold on. We're going to restart the whole show. (laughs) Um, Mostly because we got to stop talking over each other. We got to. Because I keep getting yelled at for doing it. Um, We got to stop doing it. So, um, let's start again. (laughs) There was so much yelling and screaming. Mostly on my part. Um, let's do it again. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two pretty stellar dudes, Brian Murray. Hello. And Nick White. Hey. Thank you guys for joining me this week. I apologize if I'm out of sorts. I was running around dressed up as a giraffe last night, and I drank a handful, of, uh, you know, handful of beers and watched some basketball and baseball. So you know, it's a whole crazy, scary world out there that I'm participating in, because um, that's very much not me. Uh, but how have you guys been? Uh, I've been good. Just been uh, trying to stay warm. You know, this whole fall thing is really starting to settle into our bones here in Michigan. Oh yeah, I got a, a very stiff breeze that hit me in the face last night, and I was like, "Oh, it's time. It's fall." And that uh, it's been. Uh, I'm just kind of working back through my my comics backlog. You know me. You know how I like to let weeks and weeks of comics pile up and then try to read them all in an afternoon. Right. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot about what I read, except that I got through those three uh, the Infinity Warps books that I had picked up: the Iron Hammer, Weapon Hex, and Soldier Supreme. Good God. They're all okay. It's like they're they're just character intros basically and I, I did learn a little bit more about where these characters came from so it sounds like and i don't want to spoil the infinity wars thing going on uh the person who has gathered all the infinity stones has folded the universe in on itself which resulted in characters basically getting squished together so that's why we have you know steve rogers and Stephen Strange get squished together into um, the Soldier Supreme. And we have Iron Man and Thor smashed together into Iron Hammer. It's an interesting concept, but I think that the creators on these books are a little too into it. <laughs> like, not, not every small character in these books has to be a mashup of two existing Marvel characters. Oh, good God. I didn't know it extended that far. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Like, uh, like dumb, dumb fury and, uh, uh, Bucky, Bucky Wong from soldier Supreme. I would understand if they were like, Oh look, we're going to fold this C and D list character together and you're not going to know what's happening. But that sounds just excessive. Like- yeah. Uh, in, in Weapon Hex, one of the side characters was like, I want to say it was, oh God, what's Colossus's sister? I'm blanking on her name right now. Magic? Magic. I think it was Magic and Sabretooth smushed together. Sure. It's, it's tough sure. to tell. <laughs> okay. Whatever you want to do, Marvel. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's dumb and weird, and these books don't really tell any stories they're just sort of these are who these characters are i'm assuming that if i was actually keeping up with the infinity war stuff going on Mm -hmm. it would make more sense like i'm sure they've been appearing in there and actually doing story things but all i got out of these books was this is how you know sigurd stark made his armor with the with etri the uh the dwarf 
Oh, so this is just really basic. Like, if you wanted to know more about this character from a weird book, pay $4 to find out. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. Um, all right, I, I probably won't be checking those out unless I get, like, a super yep, right. omnibus deal where I can... <laughs> I'm not going to read any of that stuff. Um, unless I... Like I said, unless there's, like, a super-duper sale um, where I can get it all for a dollar or something. Yeah, I, we'll I bet that at some point a big Infinity Wars trade is going to come out and it'll probably have some of this stuff in it so gotcha gotcha that's probably the best way to consume it uh, i also read spider geddon number two which continues to be spider geddon um i don't really have a lot to say about it except if you like the concept you will also like this book gotcha but are you saying that you're not turned off by, uh, by it yet no no I'm, I'm still enjoying spider geddon quite a bit it's cool. just one of those things where i recognize that the big spider book crossover event is probably not going to be for everyone. Oh, okay. Okay. And especially cause it's one of those Marvel things where it's tying into 30 different properties <laughs> and I'm scrambling to pick up all of them. Gotcha. They're like, Brian, Brian is the perfect specimen in this situation for Marvel. They're like, yes, this is exactly what we want. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brian over yep. here is like hardcore self-loathing. Yeah, I mean, I guess if this book is okay if you're a big piece of fucking garbage that, you know, <laughs> big, you know, just dumpster for Spider-Man books. Just shovel it all in there. I, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. And everyone's like, you well, know I, am. I was going to read yeah. this book, but I don't know. Then it's like Brian, are you reading these? And it's like, yep, all of them. It is fun though. These are these are fun spider books. Okay, okay. <laughs> I hope that someone out there will take that middling review. Of spider. It's <laughs> <laughs> a poll <laughs> quote. That's going to be the poll quote for the trade. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a uh, a much more detailed review once I've actually read all of it. Yeah, full report. I'm still holding on to that Probably every time Spider Geddon comes out. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably probably be on Patreon. That's going to be the whole thing. Anyways, Nick, how have you been? How have comics been? I realize I didn't ask that question to Brian, but he knew what was up. Yeah. It's like I've been on this show before. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I I don't know, Mike. Like you 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 led into this whole thing with with you watching sports and I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. Yeah. Um yeah. like I mean, I realize you led into that with you running around New York in a costume well before Halloween and you know, tales well, of it, debauchery, but that's not the part that I, I I can't shake. It's it's you like with a big foam finger on your hand and the the construction helmet with beers, you know, taped to both sides and uh <laughs> But somehow also a giraffe. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it's not to say I didn't do things this weekend, but after you told me that, it's like, d does any of it matter at that point? Like, <laughs> do we matter as people after that? It's like, uh, very it's, existential. It's man. Yeah. Yeah. Th this, you gotta, like, yeah. Gotta do something spooky. This, and I did. This is Halloween, as, uh, as the kids at Hot Topic say. Uh, before they pay forty dollars for a Jack Skellington beanie. Um, <laughs> oh God. Um, Anyways, how have you been? Yeah, Nick? how have comic books? You been? know, things are fine. <laughs> Had a real fucking banger of a weekend and and watched some new uh, Great British Bake Off. So you can tell things were off the chain. Um, and I do like Noel Fielding as a host. And if you don't, you can fucking fight me on that. Um, so that's that. Oh. Uh, as Nick's Twitter account is private for a reason. Yeah, folks. it's probably for this. It's like <laughs> I, mean, I realize the mighty boosh isn't for everybody, but like, come on. Um, as for what I read, uh, this is Nick White once again providing a report on a new number one, because uh, that's the shit you guys need. And uh, I did mm -hmm. read Stranger Things number one. Uh, I suppose it's fitting that with the second issue debuting this week, that we'll have a Stranger Things issue arriving on Halloween. I guess that makes sense to me. Um, mm -hmm. So some of you might recall, I made some predictions about this issue a few weeks ago. I tried to be positive. I said the creative team looked good. I ultimately really didn't know what Jody Hauser was going to do in terms of telling a story of Will's time in the Upside Down. I was kind of like, what What can you do with that? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that I was tentatively right, not because I'm one to relish the moment, but rather because me being right happens uh, so infrequently. Um, so 
I, I think Hauser was smart enough to have Will turn to his experiences with D&D as sort of a guiding force for what he should do. Um, it sort of allowed her to tap into her turbo geeky nature um, and allowed us also to get more, um, I don't know, we got to see more familiar faces than just Will's because we have these sort of flashback scenes to to some of the D&D going on and, and um, stuff like that. So, you know, we get to see some of that. Um, if you're a cynic, you will look at that and say that it's just padding the story with retreaded fan service so that the narrative doesn't even really have to go anywhere because it's already too busy having to retread all of this shit. Um, and I, I guess the most important thing really to say here is that it is just number one. Maybe things will change. But if you're the sort of person that really strongly believes in the idea that you need to be hooked with a number one, I think this book is not really going to be for those sorts of people. Like, maybe if we'd never seen the Upside Down before, it would matter more, but all we end up really seeing are the flip side of moments that we've already seen. Like, if you've seen Stranger Things, uh, minor spoilers for season one. Um, we know that Eleven does spot Will in the Upside Down at one point, obviously. Mm-hmm. And now we just see that. That's it. We just see it happen. Um, we we know hmm. that he tries to communicate with our world, and in that regard, we see him pick up a walkie-talkie in the Upside Down and try to, you know, ET phone home into hours. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean, like... <sighs> we're not better people for having seen these things. Like these things happened off screen and no one was like, geez, I really, I really wish I knew what it was like when Will stared at 11 in the upside down for five seconds. I would be a so much, I would be a better person if, 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 if only I could have, you know, seen that happen. So I don't know. Um, the other last thing I want to quickly say is visually Stefano Martino's art has sort of a flat European aesthetic that's going to maybe not work for some American readers. Um, I think for the more low-key moments, it works fine. For some of the more action-oriented stuff, I don't know. Uh, ultimately, it's the supporting team of like Nate Picos on letters and Lauren Affey on, on colors, two of the most underrated people uh, in their respective fields that I think really bring this book together. But uh, we'll have to see what happens with the second issue. I was not super floored with this. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like this is a, one of those licensed books that is kind of there to say, hey, we could potentially sell something about this series, right? Yeah, I, this like, book is unfortunately for me, and again, I can't say this enough, this is only after issue one, for me, it kind of sets things back in terms of all the work that I think really good franchise books have done in recent years. This does not feel like it's in lockstep with those. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, the other book I just want to briefly go over that I read, I read Harbinger Wars 2 Aftermath number 1, that's right. Mm-hmm. I refuse to not read. I refuse to read books unless they have two numbers uh, in their titles. Uh, this is written by Matt Kint, <laughs> uh, pencils by Adam Polina, colors by Diego Rodriguez, letters by Dave Sharp. Um, this book was actually a bit of a letdown. Uh, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here. I realize this is kind of two in a row, but um, I do want to actually point out that Valiant doesn't always knock it out of the park every time. Um, Adam Polina's art feels different than it was for Secret Weapons which I guess makes me equal parts disappointed and impressed because A, I, I'm disappointed because I would have liked the art he did for Secret Weapons, but B, uh, if that means that he was told to basically imitate Raul Allen's style for Secret Weapons, like, color me impressed because he did a great job at that point. Most of this issue didn't even need to be read. Like, the whole the whole point oh, that's geez. being ground into our heads <laughs> is just that Livewire is in big trouble. And we knew that from issue number one of Harbinger Wars number two. So basically, the issue hops around all of the major players from Harbinger Wars 2, which, I mean, it's titled Aftermath, so what do we fucking expect is going to happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. And everyone seems to be a little bit older, a little bit wiser. It's sort of like at the end of the 80s TV special on drugs, where everybody half quarter, you know, quarter turns to the camera and goes, you know, don't shoot heroin up in your arm. I hope we all figured that out as, like, the life lesson. And basically, you know, Exo seems like he's not as rage-filled as before, and Peter is like this super super fucking yogi master of zen character now. I don't know. Um, 
the only thing that I think it really does basically is Bloodshot has some sort of a an episode and goes, holy shit, like the last 20 years of my life have been fucking insane. And basically they're setting up Bloodshot Rising Spirit as we get the origin story there. But um, kind of a weird issue. I don't know, guys. Um, maybe I was just reading all the wrong books this week. I, I was sitting on, Sounds on, like it. on Black Hammer number five, but I was like, I need to treasure that book for later. So I didn't read it. That's unfortunate because it was really good. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I believe well, it. Well, thank you for briefly going over that last book I, <laughs> yeah i know i mean hey, my it's, definition it's of nick standards yeah i know I yeah know. Um, look out well <laughs> for me this week sorry I, I i'm sorry nick i just you know i feel like it's it's halloween and that just comes with mean-spiritedness for some reason look um, you I've, I've use whatever holiday is the around crow. the corner to excuse your bad behavior okay uh yes yes um, for me, I read very little this past week, um, and most of the stuff is books that I've talked about a million times over and over, so I didn't want to bring them up, but I did sit down and read Murder Falcon number one. This is from Daniel Warren Johnson, and the long and short of this book is, with the power of metal, we can defeat all these goddamn demons, because, I don't know, this book is in-fucking-sane. If you're looking for, a, like, a serious, just pedal to the metal non-stop explosions i don't give a goddamn about what happens to me or anyone around me kind of book this is murder falcon number one there there is a semblance of story in the middle of it but ultimately this book seems like a chance for daniel warren johnson to just draw really cool demons getting killed by a falcon that is powered by a guy playing a giant guitar and you know what Sometimes that's what you need in life. <laughs> I'm picking up a real like tenacious D vibe off. <laughs> yes. Oh hell yeah. No, that's actually that's a great way to describe it. Just like the absurdity of what tenacious D brings to the table, but turned into a comic book without like the weirdness of Jack Black and Kyle Gass. Um, but yeah, like the the main character is kind of this slightly overweight power metal like music player who gets kicked out of his own band because he was kind of a dick to everybody and he like wants to give up playing the guitar until a demon breaks into his apartment and a guitar shows up and this eagle or falcon shows up out of nowhere as well and is like play the guitar and with the power of metal they defeat the demon together it's really cool like I don't know. I'm going to keep reading this because one, the art is incredible. And two, sometimes you just need some insanity in your life, um, contained insanity. And this is, that's what this book was. I hope I sold someone else on it. It's really fucking badass. Such a quick, such a badass book. I would call myself morbidly curious. I had that book yeah, sold I mean, to me at vault. They were trying to sell that one real hard. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Yeah. I mean, everybody, I, I think, a lot of folks, I, sh I should say, that I like follow on Twitter were really excited about this. But I think it's mostly Daniel Warren Johnson is putting out another book. And the last book he did was Extremity. And Extremity was insane. Like, it was such a good, like, fantasy story um, that had a lot of heart to it. Um, but this one is a little bit different. And I'm guessing it's a little bit more up his alley of just being wild and crazy and just drawing some really crazy scenes. Um but anyways, let's uh, let's talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are being released on the spookiest day of the year, Christmas. October thirty first, two thousand eighteen. So let me know what you guys are reading this week. Let's start with you, Nick. Uh, for me, I'm most excited for uh, Britannia: Lost Eagles of Rome, number four. Uh, this is written by Peter Milligan. Pencils by Robert Gill, colors by Jose Villarubia, and letters by Dave Sharp. And yeah, I've, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that after nearly three miniseries and a dozen issues to its name, uh, Britannia might not ever get connected to the larger Valiantverse, and I guess I can live with that. That's fine. Um, for those unaware of what Britannia is, I guess here's like the five-second summary Basically, during Nero's reign of Rome, there's this guy named Antonius Axia. He's a war hero. He gets hired by the chief priestess of the Vestal Virgins to go rescue one of their own who was kidnapped and taken to Britannia. He goes to rescue her, basically ends up encountering some sort of a weird demon in the process. It breaks his brain super hardcore fierce. 
Uh, and in an attempt to repay him, the priestess gives him access to the Codex, which is a sacred text that allows insight into the minds and motivations of humankind. So basically, he understands how like cause and effect and the subconscious and human psychology work, and he's now um, the world's first detective. And so basically, when everyone's just going around being like, well, you know, that guy was struck with lightning by Zeus he's basically like yeah but what if it wasn't Zeus and something and what if it was something else and they're like this guy's fucking insane um <laughs> and then they hang him <laughs> so it's basically him just going around and they're like oh these boils must have been caused by a mystical force and he's like yeah but what if it was something else and they're like well like hang him what let's let's hear what you've got and he's like uh, I, I don't, I don't f- fucking know. But m- what if it's something else? And they're like, we kind of fucking hate this guy. Let's kill him. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot. But of I kind of hate him too. He sounds like an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a good period piece. It's a very sword and sandals kind of epic adventure sort of thing going on. And there's a little bit of mysticism. There's a little bit of history. There's a whole lot of action. And there's a metric fuck ton of gore. Um, because you know everyone's stabbing each other with swords i guess um and this this mini series has surrounded the whole idea that the um the eagles the standards you know the the banners that are carried i'm sure anyone who knows roman history is going to fucking bludgeon me over the head or something cuz i'm sure i've got some of this wrong the the big standards that they carry at the front of the army and everything the banners and whatnot they've got f- eagles on top and those are supposed to have legendary mystical power and Nero thinks that if they can't be found um, he's gonna you know lose his sway over the people so uh, I sure hope it happens in the last issue so that's that's what I'm pumped for I would definitely recommend it especially for people that maybe aren't big on wading into the larger Valiant verse this would be a nice way to get your toes wet I suppose gotcha what about you Brian well I'm sure this will come as no surprise. It's a spider book. Uh, we have <gasps> Vault of Spiders, number one, coming out this week. Did you say Vault uh, of Spiders? Yes, Vault of Spiders. A vault. Why is it a vault, Brian? I don't know, Nick. Oh, <laughs> it's not out yet, Nick. Yeah. Oh. God, you're so <laughs> Did you stupid. Did you Did you, like, I don't know, like, Google it? <laughs> I, I did a little bit of legwork, yeah. It's okay. written by Colin Bunn with lines by uh, Javier Polito. Okay. Um, mostly I'm excited about this from what a little bit I was able to find about it because they're bringing back uh, Supida Man, which what? is the Spider-Man from the 1970s live-action Japanese TV <laughs> show. Uh, why not? I love any book that just entering, goes, why not? <laughs> yeah. He's the one who, like, I'm pretty sure had a spider Mac. Uh, I could be hallucinating that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's also uh, Web Slinger, which is, like, Old West Spider-Man is going to be in it. So I'm is pretty sure they're pre- just, is like... Is this a character that pre-existed? Is this... Oh, yeah. Is... Oh, my God. Let Brian get to the description. They're, they're really <laughs> scraping the... Go ahead. This is just insane. They're scraping the bottle of the old spider barrel for this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real into it. It's going to be dumb, and I'm going to love every second of it. <laughs> yeah, I looked up the cover, and there are just a lot of spider people on there, and, and they all look pretty ridiculous, so that looks exciting. Oh, yeah, uh, Web Slinger has a horse that also has a Spider-Man mask on. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, man. Whew, that just tickles Is Polito the guy that drew She-Hulk? Yes. With Soul, right? Yes. Ooh, that so might look might really be, interesting. Yeah, I feel like the art might be a little jarring, but ultimately, I don't think that that's bad because the the characters that are going to be in this book from the cover um, look like they should be drawn in like his his very unique style. Okay, um, that's exciting. That Brian, you have you have piqued my interest on a book, just a single tie-in book. <laughs> so good job. <laughs> what are you excited for, Mike? Um, I I guess. I guess I'm excited for Batman's Secret Files number one. I say it that way because for some reason this is getting auto-pulled for me from Comixology, but I'm just going to roll with it. it. This looks like an anthology series with like a framing storyline about Batman reflecting back on his 
previous detective cases and Tom King and Michael Janin are going to be do, writing this and drawing the framing piece of it where like the flashbacks to present um, are going to be drawn and written by them and then all the individual stories are going to be written by people like Tom Taylor, Jordi Belair and Cheryl Lynn Eaton um, with artists Alana Casagrande and George Forns probably Jorge. doing that wrong it's probably probably jorge fornes yeah um, <laughs> so uh I, I, this this looks interesting enough like i think it's retelling old stories or telling some just random one-off stories that maybe never happened but tom taylor and brad walker um for who for some reason brad walker is not credited as an artist but he's in the description they're going to be doing a story with someone called Detective Chimp. And I'm curious enough to buy this issue just to figure out who the hell that is. Yeah, you don't know. It, it's a monkey Batman? It's <laughs> like a monkey Sherlock Holmes. He's Detective Holmes. Chimp. Yeah, he's the world's greatest detective. Yeah. He was in DC Metal, I think. He showed okay. up in, uh, um, oh God, Injustice. He's briefly. a real deep oh, cuts okay. favorite, basically. Gotcha. Well, he's going to show up in this Batman Secret Files, so I'm going to try it. My 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 basic mentality is, okay, sure, let's do this. And if I don't like the first one, then I'll just somehow not get the second one. I don't know if it's getting auto-pulled on Comixology. I feel like I'm kind of stuck on this railroad and I can't go anywhere. But um, yeah, unless I want to do some meticulous canceling of my subscription and then resubscribing i don't know that's what they want that's thing. what they want you to think mike that you're you're sure. stuck and there's nothing you can do about it yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. comics folks yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well we're gonna take a quick break and we come back we're gonna talk about something spooky i think <laughs> spooky enough Our show this week is a Goodreads Book of the Month pick from all you fantastic human beings out there on the Goodreads group. You voted for it, and so we are reading it this week here on the show, and we are talking about it. Uh, I would one day like to do like a live read where we do a full thing about reading a comic, but today we're actually just talking about comics. This month's book was Revival Volume 1, You're Among Friends by Tim Seeley, Mike Norton, and Mark Englert. This was a pretty spooky book, so way to go, folks. October book of the month pick. You done spooked me. Um, but let's actually talk about what we thought about this book, because I've read Revival, I think, at least three or four times, but I don't know about you, and uh, Brian and Nick. What did you guys think of Revol Revival Volume 1? Yeah, this was my, my first time reading through it. Um, I thought it was very interesting. It's a really cool concept. I think that it's kind of... This is something that we've seen a lot of in recent years. Uh, I know there was a Netflix show, I believe it was called The Glitch or something like that, that was about dead people just randomly coming back. And so I know there was another one. Uh, Nick it definitely you... feels like the French show The Returned, which did get an American adaptation a... as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a unique concept. But I did think it was very sure. well executed, and they're doing a really good job of keeping the mystery alive, making you wonder why this happened and what's happening next. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that always kept me wanting to read more of it, but then I never did. <laughs> but, but I mean, we can, we can talk about that, I, I mean, in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Nick, what was what are your, like, initial thoughts, at least, about this? Well, I mean... Go, you know, go figure. I'm gonna fixate on the stupid little minutiae here, but uh, uh, sure. I don't know if anyone else read Jeff Lemire's introduction to the book. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, because uh, boy, did we learn a lot about Jeff. Uh, it explains a lot for me of what I've seen in his other writing, like the sadness and like, oh man, just the overwhelming feels. Uh, I didn't think I'd have to locate this insight into Jeff in the intro to someone else's book, but apparently that's what happened. Um, holy cow, Jeff has been through a lot. I didn't think I was going to find that out here, but uh, wow. Um, I'll have to go back and reread that. Yeah, uh, that aside... Um, this is the first time I've read it. I haven't read Revival before. I actually bought it at some point. I don't know why it must have been on sale. So 
Uh, I want to thank publicly thank the readers for continuing to um, pick books that I've somehow already purchased and have just sat in there in my Comixology account undisturbed. So <laughs> <laughs> please keep it up. Uh, it's easier thank on you, my good wallet. Reads. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, Someday Nick yeah. will have read all the books he owns. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Good luck. Brian, I can't let that happen. That's why I don't read all of them. I, we can't reach a point where it's it's all been read. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was well executed. You know, for someone that lives in a not exactly massively populated Midwestern town, uh, I think they nailed the feel of that a whole bunch. Uh, and as Brian pointed out, yes, this is something that we've seen similar concepts of one sort or another in all forms of mass media as of late, but that doesn't mean that it isn't done well. I do really like that eventually the book turns into sort of a question of the religious implications of what's going on, uh, which is sort of my jam. Like when the guy in the radio says, you know, quote, these are Christian spiritual matters, and the other guy says, well, how does that work when they all aren't Christian? So all of the fun, you know, issues that come about because of that, um, but I think they just ought to call this book um, Wolverinesville, uh, and and I say that because it's a book in the remote in the remote north where people can't die, and when they do, they just come back angrier than before. Um, <laughs> so that's true because all the all the revived or whatever they call them are now incapable of being destroyed. Or well. Well, exactly. exactly, and therein becomes yeah. the question. It's like you start to understand some of the concepts that are being put forward, and then they just keep putting nuances in those, and you're like, well, I'm not really sure. Because at first you're well, like... Well, in classic, in classic IRCB fashion, we should say... Full you know, spoilers. Five minutes in, full spoilers for volume one yeah. <laughs> revival. Yeah, no turning back. You, um, yeah. Come on, you, you knew who we were when you, when you started this yeah, episode. Yeah, true. True. This ain't your first rodeo, um, but yeah. So you have this. You have these people coming back to life, and instantly, as as things go I'll go on, you're like, well, can you die again? And then it seems like you can, but you're not immortal because it seems like y- you continue to regenerate. But there is a certain point at which there's no going back. Like, do I have that right? Like, is that your guys's understanding too? Yeah, it seems to follow traditional zombie lore in that you're okay yeah. as long as the brain is intact. Because we do see Which, a point like, where one of the revived is partially decapitated. And right, she remains but it looked dead like the brain until, was intact. Well, yeah, but I don't know how much of that is just the way it was drawn. Because it wouldn't have been possible for the scythe to cut the head at the top of the head off like that while also just happening to skirt up and over and around the brain, you know? Gee, Brian, you seem to know a lot about scythe-related injuries. I think we're going to have to... <laughs> <laughs> Brian used to be a farmer. Um, Brian used no, that, to kill that's, people. Um, the, that's like a really to. interesting thing. It's the magic. <laughs> it's like the, the quote-unquote magic of this world is is not explained fully and i i do like that i think we will probably be rewarded hopefully we'll be rewarded by reading the rest of this series and actually figuring out what's going on with that but you know they don't really answer any questions and in fact they just cause you to ask more questions yeah by putting these characters in various scenarios to be like wait how far can we really take this before they're actually injured or seriously you know damaged in some capacity um you know at the end of the the end of the book i was just kind of skimming through it one more time you know um martha or m however you want to call her you know she was pretty badly beat and she seemed a-okay because she just starts laughing hysterically so like to what end like how far can you really go like how quickly will these people heal they heal like extra like in like a deadpool fashion where like 10 minutes they're back up and running um, yeah, because there's I mean, just we, more to be. We saw her getting out. up and walking into a car shortly after that. True. Okay. True. Yeah. 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 But it is interesting. It does raise the question of without mortality in the mix, what happens to the human psyche? Because yes, M is clearly spiraling uh, throughout this yeah. book, and it's interesting to see how many of these revived are going to lose their goddamn minds mm-hmm. over the course. Well, of Well, I mean. It, yeah, that seems to be the overarching idea, at least in the first volume, is that the more people, like the more revived there are, the, the more they seem to 
say like, well, what consequences do I have? And when, as soon as you think of that, like that is an easy way to spiral. And you see more and more people, I think, fall into that. Um, if I remember correctly. And, and beyond that, it gets even weirder because at least for me, what I couldn't help but notice is that there seems to be sort of an inevitable sense of roid rage that comes about with someone being revived. It almost seems like it's almost like a ticking time bomb of sorts before someone just gets super, super angry and, and hyper violent. And there seems to be a, a predilection to that sort of thing. Um, and then also, and this is kind of one of the weird other things I really want explained. There appears to be superhuman strength that comes along with this whole thing you know what i mean like we have people smashing and ripping off like the one lady you know beats the shit out of the crematorium like all the walls and scraping all the panels and everything oh yeah and it's like do you have some sort of powers that come with this is it almost like when you get revived you i don't know like it when they mention that that one woman was burned from the inside as well as the outside it's almost like like I said, is it almost like a time bomb where basically you're just ramping up and accelerating in terms of aggression, in terms of anger, in terms of temperament, um, before it destroys you from the inside out? I don't know. I think there's a lot of good questions, and the idea that there's some weird biology, you know, uh, element going on is is semi-believable in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, it's possible that there might be some sort of crazy biological element going on well i think that that's incredibly clear like with the you know rapid healing like the woman who had dentures and then her teeth grew back right like but you know that, i'm saying like, it's more science says, there's actually a science foundation than like mysticism maybe i don't know sure and i i think part of that th- this is always my theory is that like the younger the person was the more the, the more time they had before they started to really go crazy. Mm. Um, and maybe like, you know, Martha, for instance, like she's pretty young. So her being, you know, a revived or whatever they call them um, is it means that she's got more time in her life versus say like an older this older woman who doesn't because she's like in her 70s or 80s. But that's just a pet theory of mine. I don't know. Yeah. I need to read more of this book. My thought on that was more that it depends on your belief system. Like the the old woman who went crazy and yanked at all of her teeth was a pretty strict fundamentalist Christian, it sounded like. And so she believed that these were the end times and that there is an order for the world. You know, she thought that it was wrong and unnatural that she was even there and that, you know, her teeth kept growing back in. So she was trying to yank them all out to put her dentures in because... Right. Because that's the way things are supposed to be in her worldview. And so I Mm -hmm. think that to kind of dovetail with your theory, I think that younger people tend to have more flexible worldviews and so are maybe better prepared to deal with whatever psychological trauma they're experiencing from being brought back to life. I feel like no matter what, the missing puzzle piece is that weird ass casper motherfucker running around in the woods (laughs) i mean yeah well that's that's like a whole other thing right that's like the supernatural element to this on top of the already strange thing that's happening in this story is it connected is it not connected you know what i mean like there's the real question and i feel like it's gotta be it's gotta be connected to everything else but right it doesn't have to be i mean the and my, my other question in the book is you know if now if someone dies are they going to be revived? Like, I don't know. I don't remember if that gets answered in this volume. Uh, um, it kind of does because Terry, the old woman's daughter gets right. killed. Mm-hmm. She, doesn't come she back. does not come back. It would appear that there was like, I don't know, a certain window of time. During yeah, which, there's like an event. If you died during that window, you were brought back and it appears that that window was passed. That was my understanding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of, questions yeah and again i think that this this volume does a really good job of giving us enough story as well as forcing us to ask a lot of questions still to say you need to keep reading this book dummy um and that's that's totally fine by me the question is will i ever do it 
<laughs> as, as someone who's read this like three times, I don't know what stopped me from getting into volume two. So maybe this is the push that I needed to, to get into it because, man, Mike Norton's art. I forgot how good this book looks on top of like how well it reads. Because um, I, I, I feel like I, I sped through reading this um, and because it's just, it just doesn't stop with the pacing. Yeah. Norton has a real gift for simultaneously juxtaposing real grounded human drama alongside over-the-top fucking zaniness. Mm -hmm. I feel like his art style really lends itself to that because it, it does, you do feel like you actually are in a Midwestern town and it's not like some cartoon, but then of course he's drawing all of this other shit that's absolutely insane. Um, well, this is the same guy that did the series Battle Pug. Battle Pug. And so. exactly for that reason, you know, you have a mashup <laughs> of this, like, Conan-looking, you know, realistic, classically, I don't know, looking fantasy warrior alongside this dog. Yeah. I think I think that's a perfect insight into what we're getting here. Because it's, it's, this is the same sort of juxtaposition of the insane alongside, you know, the real, quote-unquote. Yeah. But let's talk about these Jenny Frisian covers yeah. for a second. <laughs> I think we were lucky, at least for me, the digital copy that I had um, came with all the Frisian covers in the middle of it. So as each oh. chapter, you know, breaks, it had the um, the cover as at the end of each or the beginning of each issue. Um, and boy, oh boy, that is a that is someone who can draw real good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. I don't know how else to describe it because it's honestly every every single cover to this book is a masterpiece. Um, and I, I know that I've seen future covers and they're just as good. Like, what a what a beautiful beautiful cover artist they got for this series, and I'm pretty sure she stuck around through the end of it. Um, and that's that's fantastic to me. Though I do feel like readers, like maybe new people, might have gotten tricked seeing these single issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, yeah. this is one of those cases of like, holy shit, that cover art is beautiful. And then they open the book. And not to say Mike Norton's art is bad, because I, I truly believe that it's good, but they're definitely not the same. See, the reason I think they're tricked by the covers is, at least from what I saw in my copy off Hoopla, is that the cover was very misleading about what was going to happen in the issue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because like there's there's there is one where you see the uh, the TV reporter I can't remember what her name is uh, like sitting lovingly over her dead husband's body on the cover yeah. and I'm like oh so she's gonna murder him and then no <laughs> she just finds his corpse well his mm -hmm. corpse to be uh, towards the end of that issue this book is very gory if that bothers you you probably you probably want to watch out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, and it some of it is kind of darkly over the top slash morbidly comical, but that's not to say that it still isn't gross. Yeah, lots of blood, lots of blood, lots of lots of violence in general. It's a very violent book, yeah. especially towards its female characters. That's something that uh, Stephanie in the Goodreads group pointed out, and as soon as I looked for it i saw it everywhere because violence is done pretty across the board in the book but we see the effects of the violence almost exclusively on women and especially on huh. martha because there are two different shots where it shows in gruesome detail the vicious beating that martha has just taken you know there's the shot uh the the shot the panel after the bar fight where she has you know, like broken glass sticking out of her face and it's all swollen yeah. up. And then there's the other one after she's hit by a truck at the very end where you see, you know, like one leg bending the wrong way and just She's also all this... stabbed with a scythe. Yeah. It's yeah. It's to like to a body horror degree, the damage done yeah. to Martha. And I don't know, I think that that's the kind of thing that people should be aware of when they're creating media. Like, are we showing a lot of violence towards a group that historically has had a lot of violence done to them? Hmm. Yeah, I'd never, I never considered that. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, because I mean, I, super valid. I can just imagine, you know, if if in my past I had 
had an abusive partner or something like that, I imagine that seeing this would be very upsetting because it would remind me of what had happened to me. And, right. And I'm not saying that you can only have violence in your book if it's directed against men. Like, obviously, that's stupid and unrealistic. But <laughs> when you're going to be showing the graphic fallout of violence, just maybe try to be aware of how that could be affecting your readers. Right. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I think this uh, these panels and, and, and sequences are also meant to be instructive in terms of the healing slash sure. uh, regenerating properties of, of what's going on. And the fact that she won't die only makes her more likely to have more of these things happen. But I, I think you can hold both of these viewpoints in in your mind at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely... And just be mindful of, of all of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think that this book in general would have benefited greatly of just having a woman on the staff. Because from what I could tell, it right. was all male creators working on this book. And there was another, yeah. another point at which... Aside from the cover artist, yes, I think you're right. Yeah, but I don't think she's diving in into the actual right. story. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I agree. This is another, just like, the, the unrealistic relationship between Dana and uh, Ibrahim. Uh, just where... In one panel, she doesn't want to know his name. She just wants to make out with him in his car. And then in the next page, when they're working together, she he says, it's cool that we're working together. And she spends most of the page blowing up at him about how she's not going to sleep with him now. And I just don't think the poor guy deserved that. And it it just seems like a guy trying to write a woman if that, if that makes sense i see yeah that makes sense that makes sense it's like a like trying like overly trying to make it sound like i don't know like it, it could have easily been it could have sounded more natural if like there had been a like a, a woman consulted maybe yeah um, it, it, about the dialogue and maybe the interaction i think what get, what gets to me is that it it very strongly echoes the women are crazy right idea yeah maybe I mean, and, I mean, we don't really necessarily know. Maybe, maybe Tim Seeley did run this by some, you know, women that he knows. But, um, yeah, I, I, I see what you mean, though. Some of it, some of it, it feels pretty rough. It could be, and I don't know. Maybe it's just like my backstory because I worked with a group in college about like domestic violence and stuff like that. So maybe I'm just overly aware of it. Mm -hmm. But I don't even end yeah. that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. I, I, I wanted to, to read out some of the other uh, quotes from Goodreads um, just because I, I, I think there was some positive and some negative. Um, I think overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, a lot of people like this book. But, you know, um, Danny, uh, he posted in the Goodreads group. He's got mixed feelings about the book. Um, I think my main issue is that what makes it interesting, the mystery about the Revivers, is also what takes away from the stakes of the book, which I think is a really interesting point about... When we know that, you know, Martha's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. For the most part. You know, like we never have to really worry about her getting into too bad of a tussle. Um, unless well, things change. Yeah, I was going to no, say. No, no, I understand. But like even with the old woman whose head got lopped off or part of it got lopped off, they put the cap of her head back on and everything was fine. Yeah. You know, um, so it's kind of a it's kind of a weird spot. And I, I think he I think he has a solid point there. Yeah, for sure. It's it's hard. It's hard to worry about their physical safety. Certainly. Like, but I mean, yeah. people have argued yeah. the same stupid point about Wolverine for how many years, and they've still found ways to. Um, I well, guess. they killed him one time, and yeah. you can drown him. Yeah, they. So. Dr yeah, you could drown him. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's. They killed him one time. He's fucking back again, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. There's three of them now. Um, That's what you get but, for uh, killing him. <laughs> he's yeah, like exactly. a hydra. He's like the hydra. Didn't they they should have learned from Superman. You kill him, and more come back. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, no, I I like that point because I I don't think I actually considered that when it was like you know when you're worrying about stakes. But that's a totally super valid point. Um, it, Chad from the group had a similar thought that I did um, in my notes at least. He said it's like a horror version of Fargo. Celia and Norton do a great job of furthering the mystery with each arc, which I guess I think he said that in his Goodreads post that he had read more of it. Um, but that's exactly how I had described it in my notes. I had said, um, 
this kind of checks the boxes of kind of spooky but also very interesting which is how i would describe something like fargo or maybe twin peaks um and I like that. I'm glad that other people see things the same way that I do. Uh, <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> um, and one final, one final thought from Paul. Not Paul from the show, but another person named Paul in the group. He said, I really enjoyed Revol- Revival. Horror with supernatural elements. I enjoyed the entire series and I recommend it. And it seems like, like I said, across the board, the majority of people really enjoyed this book. Uh, which is why I this is even more you know flame or even more fuel for the fire that I need to read the rest of this series. So maybe I'll actually do that. That's <laughs> I just wanted to to get that out there. Yeah, I I think that it, despite all the concerns I've been voicing, I still really enjoyed reading this, and I am probably going to keep going. It's you wouldn't would would you say that it's maybe like there are issues, but it's not so much that it's necessarily d- distracting you from the book. Yeah, it's it's the kind the of overall it's story. the kind of thing where I'm reading it and I think to myself, God, I really wish you wouldn't do that. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that the the mystery of the book is enough to keep me going and just sort of like hoping that as time goes by, my my issues will be ameliorated somewhat. Yeah, I mean, this is a book that's six years old to which i'm like oh that means it can be a little shitty no that's not really true. <laughs> um it's things but are it different is, you know, six years ago <laughs> it is but it is a it is a volume one like it's a it's an earlier you know it's the beginnings of a series and i think you can see in a lot of different books you know maybe there will be some problematic bits at the beginning that will get squashed as the story goes on and i think with a book like this that's that was successful i would guess that tim seeley would have at least recognize some of that from either his fans or other people reading it. Um, so I, there's probably at least a positive side to that to say there's a good chance it probably gets better. Those types of issues in the story um, maybe aren't so obvious. But I have a feeling that the violence is not going to go well, <laughs> given how this yeah. book is kind of played out. I will say that. That that seems right. But yeah, I guess any any other final thoughts about this book? I mean, this is... I think between the three of us, it sounds like we've all got like a positive view, but um, and we maybe want to try to read more now that Nick and I both are kind of in the situation of at one point I bought all of this. Maybe I should read it. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, hey! So only volume one for me. There oh, are plenty okay. Sorry, of other Nick. books where that is true, but it is not <laughs> this book. <laughs> well, Goodreads people out there, now we have to somehow get Nick to read volume two. Um, so force it's, him to buy it. Let's it's do not it. Gonna See you take next much. October. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there's so many lingering mysteries and and questions and 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 whatnot going on in this book. I'm 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 pretty interested. I I'm curious because I'm certain this book is going to move outside of this town at some point, probably. Um, yeah, and I still want to know yeah, about I mean... that spooky ghost ass thing in the woods. <laughs> now, before we go, I do want to ask this just for clarification purposes. Sure. The spooky ghost that Martha was dealing with. And the spooky ghost that the old man who's sort of like a ladies' man who like is like a fitness guru, the one he's encountering is not the same. No, different right? ghost. That one's like a baby, right. right? Yeah, there are I think there are multiple ghosts. That's in what this. I'm saying. There's multiple whatevers. Yeah, because right? the the one that Martha was dealing with kept saying, you know, where's the baby? Uh, and that appeared to be like some old dude's, I, I don't know, ghost. We don't know what it was. The, the the redneck that wore mostly like fox dirt bike gear. He seemed to think uh, it was a demon. So That fucking guy. <laughs> that Yeah, what a fucking piece of shit character in that series. I mean, he's obviously a bad guy. Look, if anyone wants to T-pose you onto the back of a tow truck, you don't want to hang yeah. out with those people. Like, yeah. they do not have your best interests at mind. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> and his introduction to us was him choking some girl out in a trailer for pretending yeah. to be possessed. I wonder if he's definitively dead, too. Uh, We'll find out, but he's certain. I would certainly expect him to be. You would think he would be. <laughs> you would think he would be. Yeah. I'm sure they'll find some, some way to keep him around, though. Shitheads like that always seem to stick around. Yeah, have you guys read Walking Dead? There's this really cool character in it called Negan, and he is the absolute <laughs> fucking worst. Um, 
And I say that is like not necessarily a dig on the series, but yeah. Kirkman keeps him around because of how big of a piece of shit he is. Right, um, right. He knows it. And then, of course, the real danger is the longer you keep him around, it, the more he the, the more attached. pivots into a weird fan favorite, likable. Ugh, ugh. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyways, uh, Brian, you got any final thoughts about this series? Uh, I think you should check it out. Form your own opinions on it. I certainly enjoyed it, despite my quarrels. Well, cool. I'm pretty much in the same boat there. I mean, like I said, I need to read this goddamn series. I, everybody in the world has told me I need to read this. So um, I think I need to actually sit down and maybe go through it. Um, and that means I'm just going to put off my full reread of Chew another no. you know, X number of months. Did you, did you <laughs> hear there was I don't, a, I, a crossover between this and Chew? Like a, yeah. A I, so that's issue? the thing. I, I did know that. So my thought is... Um, this is all maybe coincidental or like the universe is trying to tell me, Mike, you need to just read them back to back, you know, read two or three volumes of Chew and then just start reading back to back volumes of Revival until they get to that crossover. Cause like of all, I remember when that came out, just a little aside here. I remember when that one shot or two, the two one shots came out, right? I couldn't believe <laughs> that of all the series that Chew could have crossed over with and all the series that Revival could have crossed over with that were going on an image, that it was Chew and Revival crossing over. Like, what a weird combination. Like, there are some themes that maybe Over-the-top body right? horror, left and right. Uh, yeah, over-the-top body horror, yeah. And I think, you know, the whole detective side of things super works. But what a weird combination, because it tonally... Stylistically. <laughs> those, these books are very, yeah. very different, and stylistically very different. But, you know, I, I have read... I think I did read those one shots when they were coming out because they were in a volume of Chew already, and oh. it actually works really well. I think they're in like volume nine or something of Chew. Oh, that explains why I'm not there yet. Okay. Yeah, but it's 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 funny, and I, I can't believe that it actually they actually did it. But um, it's 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 pretty funny. So, anyways, I will. Uh, that's that's the end of my side. I I think I just need to read this book because I like the, I like revival. I just need to actually do it. So let's wrap up here. Thanks to everyone who you know reached out on the Goodreads and actually read this book and commented, um, you know, good or bad. You know, we appreciate that you guys are actually spending time and working with us on the Goodreads group because we really love doing that. Um, but yeah, you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brianhead. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCP Podcast. We retweet stuff we post polls i haven't posted this week's poll yet so i don't know what it's going to be you can also check out the goodreads group for more book of the month discussions like this as well as our weekly threads Uh, our most recent thread is what is your halloween media traditions you can hit us up at our website ircbpodcast.com where we have a pronunciation guide and a new merch store beyond that go ahead and rate and subscribe our show on itunes more listeners means better ratings uh, of course, we'd love to get five stars from you. Um, if you're not going to give us five stars, you've made it all the way to the credits of an episode. So what the heck is going on with you? Uh, in addition to that, email our show, ircb at destroythesibe.org. And also subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash ircbpodcast for exclusive audio, early access to episodes, and cool stuff like episode show notes. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. They are so fantastic, and I think they have a new album coming out. You should all check them out on their website, infinityshred.com. Xander is a pure being of light who has a human manifestation in which he blesses us every day with his presence. He also edits the show. He's a really nice guy. I want to say thanks to Brian and Nick for being on the episode. I want to say thanks to everybody who commented on the Goodreads thread and everyone who's been reading along with us and participating in our huge reading list that we have for the whole year. I think we're doing a big thing. We might be doing giveaways of Comixology gift cards. I'm not sure. But until next time, may the great skies above bless you with some cool comics this upcoming week. All right, we did it. We made oh, it. I forgot to ask you guys in the episode, so just go over this with me because I need this explained. Okay. Where to be able? Where to believe that M got murdered, and yet all of this happened so quickly that no one ever realized that she was murdered? 
I'm guessing whatever event happened in the book. Yeah. She was murdered the night that the event happened. Right. Yeah. She. I. Th- I. My theory is that she was killed by the professor she was having the affair with. That uh. almost seems too easy, but I mean, maybe that is. What, <laughs> God, that would be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that her murder is actually the big mystery of the series. Sure. Anyways, I think that's probably something they solve pretty quick on in order to. Well, I also don't of kind of. Revivals. I still kind of consider her sister the main character more than I consider her the main character. So yeah, I think definitely. It's yeah, more same of here. A side plot. I don't know. I just found that all very confusing because you know her dad's talking about. I think something like don't hang out with those revivalist people and don't bring your sister around them because you know they've got a penchant for rage and everything and and we know that there's like twenty three of them or whatever and like he keeps talking about all this revival shit and yet he doesn't seem to be aware that this is something that also happened to his daughter. I don't, I don't know. Well, that's the whole, that's the whole thing about it is it happened. She doesn't remember. Yeah, I guess. And, but she tells her sister and she's like, Hey, don't tell dad, by the way. Yeah, I guess (laughs) this happened. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I think, I think she's one of the only revivals, revivers that, no, that people don't know that she's a reviver. Well, I was going to point initially. that out too, because obviously there's a quarantine, and yet you see her going off to college. And I don't know to the extent to which this, the scope and scale of this quarantine is, or where her school is relative to this. But yeah, uh, the quarantine uh, seemed to be like around the county almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, when I saw her go back to school or whatever, I was like, hmm. But that, but that, to Brian's point, that would make the most sense because. You know, it's a rural city, yeah. so it's not like they could put it around the city limits because that's kind of big. But a right. countywide quarantine would make way more sense. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. We'll find out. We got to read volume two. Come back to it. The IRCB Personal Book Club between Mike and Brian and Nick. We talk about revival. <laughs> it's just revival. It's the new show. It's a spinoff. I read revival books. 